0: Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign unto you. You will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is a small story we read tonight, only 20 verses, some of which you may know by heart. There's a good deal of action in this story, a lot of verbs, but it's a fairly simple story, one that even our youngest children can follow and enjoy. The images are vivid and memorable, a baby born in a stable, a night sky filled with angels. The Nativity of Jesus is a small story, Yet all over the world tonight, in a rich variety of languages, it will be remembered and retold, because contained within its simple verses is a mighty truth about God. Like all stories, this one takes place in a broader context. In those days, we hear a decree went out from Emperor Augustus, Jesus' birth takes place against the backdrop of the Roman Empire. Mary and Joseph and all of their family members knew the burden of living under occupation with a foreign power calling the shots. If they ever forgot who was in charge, there were Roman soldiers encamped in their cities to remind them. So when Augustus issued his decree, people hit the road. They traveled to their ancestral home for a headcount so taxes could be levied. You see, Caesar's ambitions didn't come cheap. He had a grand plan for the expansion of his empire. Government overreach was not a concern of his, nor was the disruption that the census caused. His chief concern was fulfilling his desire, his destiny as divine ruler. So Mary and Joseph set off. But what we learn during the course of their journey is that this story doesn't belong to Caesar at all. No matter how much power he possessed, no matter how many divine titles he claimed, this story belongs to God. And its central concern is not royal ambition, but divine redemption. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's impossible to miss the contrast. While Caesar pursued muscular world domination, God entered our human story as a tiny baby, the redemption of the world wrapped in whatever cloth they could find to keep him from the cold, sheltering with other lowly creatures who were looking for a place to lay their heads. No trumpets, no soldiers on white steeds, no impressive displays of power. The angels sang the announcement in glorious fashion, yet their audience was a bunch of ranch hands working in a field, outside town, not exactly Carnegie Hall. The Word became flesh and lived among us, cloaked in humility, in simplicity, in the love of a family, the redemption of the world, hidden in plain sight. It's easy to forget this about God, isn't it? It's so tempting to look for God in obvious displays of power, whatever form that might take in our day. Success, wealth, strength, influence. It's tempting to see these as measures of God's presence, of God's favor. Yet this is not the story of Jesus. In Jesus, we see God dwelling in vulnerability, in fear and uncertainty, in fragile human relationships, with people who are not the winners. In Christ we see the tender mercy of God, the saving love and grace of God, bestowed in the most ordinary, unlikely places. I wonder if this is because it is in the ordinary places, even the broken places of our lives, that Christ finds room to dwell. Maybe when we are so full of our own stuff, our ambition and our striving, our need to control and impress and dominate, I wonder if we become like those innkeepers who have no room for the Christ child. But when the Spirit of God gives us courage to let go of some of that, there is room for Christ to make home in us, to dwell with us in whatever our circumstance. There is room for us to receive and experience the gifts of redemption, the gift of being loved even when we might not feel very lovable, the gift of healing even if it doesn't occur in the way we expect or desire it. The gift of forgiveness that has the power to create a new beginning. The gift of deep peace and true joy that come from trusting that our past, our present, and our future are held in God's gracious hands. These are the treasures that Christ brings to us as he dwells with us and in us. They are unlike any treasure we can earn or find on our own, because they come from God's rich storehouse of grace. You see, God has desires of God's own, that this world, created in love, would be healed and redeemed in love. And so Christ remains with us, bringing light into darkness, peace in the midst of conflict, bringing us true freedom even when the drum roll of domination and bondage plays on. Mary and Joseph lived their entire lives under the shadow of Roman domination, yet they knew the freedom and the peace that came from trusting this God who is less interested in issuing orders and more interested in keeping promises. This is the good news of great joy that comes to us tonight, that Christ, born of Mary so long ago, continues to be born in us. This is the news we are called to share, the light that we bear as we seek to be agents of God's gracious reign. May Christ hold us in this promise and keep us in his love. Merry Christmas to all of you. Amen.